Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff. I'm your host today, and we are so excited to have Monica Vaughn Woods with us, who is a pleasure to speak with and has a very good understanding of the journey that many of you have ahead as she has a 22-year-old son. So we want to talk about some of the things that comes when you age out of uh, the school system, because that's an important topic for all of us. And she also got her journey, you know, being wild, single mother, teen, very young, and decided that she wanted to become a social worker and now works for the largest CPS department in the country. So we have a lot to learn. So welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So you got a 22 year old boy. Yes, I do. 22 year old son. And when did you find out, when did you realize that this was going to be a unique journey, unlike anything you ever imagined? Well, um, so I didn't initially like even think anything was going on. My mom came to me and was like, oh, your son's like Rain Man. And I'm like, huh? You know, and I was like, I was 19 when I had him. So I was like 20 when she first said it. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with my kid. He's fine. Like, stop trying to diagnose my kid by a movie. (laughs) And so I just went on and I, you know, I started thinking about it. I started looking it up and then I was like, okay, by two, if he hasn't, you know, reached some of his milestones, I'll talk to his pediatrician. So I did. And of course the pediatrician was like, oh no, there's nothing wrong with him. He just needs more socialization. And so I'm like, okay, I put him in daycare and Every day he would always be like in the same spot in a soiled diaper. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like, that's just not okay. His words, he, he regressed in some of the, the small baby talk um, that he had picked up. And so I took him to a regional center and they pretty much diagnosed him and was like, oh, he, the psychiatrist came to me with like a stack of papers and just was like, but he said, he's never going to talk. He's never going to call you mommy. You're never going to hear. I love you. He's, so the worst of the worst. Oh and of God. course, being a young mom, 21, I'm like, what in the world? And he's like, your son's autistic. And of course, I never heard that. So I just started doing my own research. Wow. And yeah. I mean, how'd you take that? Because 22 years ago, we were a lot less in the know. Definitely. Then. So, I mean, was it, did it rock your world? Or did you just take it in stride and carry on? So it rocked my world, but I was like, hey, I can get through this. So I started the journey. And then, you know, as his behaviors became more like more blatant in public, 
that's when I kind of started like putting myself in a shell because like, like you said, a lot of things weren't out about autism. And I lived in Chino Hills at the time. And there were like certain experiences that I experienced that made me kind of revert to staying home with him. I remember an incident where we went to the store and he started doing his behaviors, rocking and making odd noises. And so I put him in the cart, you know, and I'm trying to get his prescription. And the pharmacist was like, I can't concentrate with your child making all those noises. Can you take him for a walk and go buy him a cookie? And so I totally ran to the car. I cried. I went home. I was just like, this cannot be happening. And I noticed stairs every time I went somewhere. And also being a young parent, anytime I would take my son to like doctor's appointments and take my mom with me, they would not speak to me. They would speak to my mom. Hmm. So I would disregard, you know, I told my mom, I need to do this. Like they need to respect me as his mother. So I would start going by myself and it was overwhelming. It got to the point where we started mommy and me classes and he's a non-sleeper. Okay, like that's his biggest, biggest hurdle. And so we were going to mommy and me classes and he just wouldn't sleep at night. And so I went to school one day and told his teacher, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, please find me a home for him. And that had to been like one of my most profound moments because she kind of like saved me and prevented me from putting him in a home because she was like, you know, I know you need your time and I know he doesn't sleep. So she was like, you know, you can bring him an hour earlier for classes, you know, before school starts. So I can watch him and you can like do something for yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in that time, I, you know, processed things a little bit and understood that, you know, I got to be committed because I was an abandoned child. So I told myself at that time, I would never give up on him and I would never abandon him. So I've been committed ever since. Wow. That's an amazing story. I got the chills from that. Good for you. That's a, that's been a topic of sensitivity in my journey and, oh, we won't, I won't get into that right now. Yeah. Is there a worst moment on the journey that stands out for you? I don't know if it would be a worse journey, but I do have a ignorant journey okay. All <laughs> that right. just turned out very beneficial. So my son's father, of course, is absent and he's been absent ever since his diagnosis. So when I've tried to explain to him, like, your son is autistic, he's like, well, every child is artistic. And I'm like, dude, I need you to look this up. Like, stop being ignorant. I need you to look this up. Your child is autistic. Oh, there's nothing wrong with him. So I just kind of, you know, let him do his thing. And I do mine with my son and it's the best thing ever. (laughs) He's come, he's tried to fight for, he tried to take me to court for custody. And so, you know, we went through that and the mediator was like, well, ma'am, why are you not letting him see his son? And I'm like, he forgot to leave out, you know, he forgot to say one important factor. My child is nonverbal and he's severely autistic and he doesn't know him. So I'm not going to let him go with him you know, for long durations of time, and he's not going to stay consistent in his life. So that ignorant moment turned into the best thing ever because he's completely absent. And I've been able to raise him how I want to raise him, you know, with no one in my ear saying, do this or don't do this, because we already have to make those hard decisions. But to have someone that may be, you know, on the opposite fence, then it just makes it harder. So 
a lot of people have very contentious yeah. with relation yeah. to that. And it, like you said, it's already, you have mm-hmm. to make difficult decisions. Like let's not make it more difficult. Exactly. I totally hear you. So any aha moments that stand out that kind of uh, helped you get in your groove a little bit? I have a lot of aha moments. My one thing is like the aha of actually putting my faith into God and letting him be in control and not try and be in control myself. So doing that, I've realized everything is open to possibility. So I'm glad you have that support. Yes, definitely. I I hope everybody finds a support that can serve them in that regard. Yeah. Um, Support is definitely a very important thing on these journeys. So they age out of the public school system at 22. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So you're like in it like right now or? Actually, I take that back. 21. 21. At 21, they age out. And so prior to 21, my son, um, I kept him in high school until I think 19. So then after 19, he went to like an an adult program, which was still with the school district. And so he had a job, you know, he was out in the community. He had a structure pretty much as he had, you know, throughout his whole journey in education. And then all of a sudden, of course, he aged out during COVID, which was even worse. But after, you know, I had already been trying to prepare to look for adult programs, which in my area in Pasadena, California, they were like long wait list. So I was like, okay, I need to figure something out. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, there's somehow they can linger along in school for an additional year or so. Nope. 21st birthday, sign those exit IEP documents and they're gone. And you're just like on a tightrope where you're just like, what next? All the programs were full. There was nothing else. It literally felt like the only other place was to put him in placement because there was nothing else to like look into. It was really scary. I mean, it still is scary because he needs a lot of structure and there's, there's not that many programs at all. Is it something that somebody can sign up for before your kids even, you know, can you sign up when your kid's seven, 16 or 17? That's the thing. Like, it's the same thing with conservatorship. You know, like I try to do it two years in advance and they're like, no, we can't take that until 18. But then it takes a whole year to get the paperwork and get it finalized. So it's the same thing with aging out. Like you can't put them on a wait list when they're, say, 18 or 19 because if they're on that wait list and someone happens to come and, you know, boots up and your child is not of age, then they kick you completely off. And I would think that they probably wouldn't accept that child at that age. But I did try and start the process early and look into places and they all had wait lists. So I was even like, OK, they're like, we have a year wait list. And I'm like, OK, I need something like a ASAP. year. Yeah. A year at the minimum. And now with COVID, sure. it's like, woo. Wow. Yeah. Where are you with all that? Are you, have you found any solutions or are you still in the, you just open and looking? So right now he is part of a community integration program, um, which has been awesome. (laughs) He goes out in the community while I work and he has aides that take him out in the community. But my goal was to kind of keep him, you know, involved in a job, which I can't 
put him in a, you know, he has to go through a work program, which is all full. So pretty much he's kind of like, I want to say being babysat all day. And I'm looking into resources. Like I just put him in swim therapy. He started last week at the Rose Bowl. All of these things come out of my pocket, except for the community integration. It's being funded by the regional center, but they want to change him from a regular regional center worker to an adult regional center worker, which would then terminate the service he has because that stops at 21 also. And then they want to send him to an adult community integration program. And so I was like, you're going to disrupt my child's whole situation just to put him into another community integration program that he's already in. Like, let's think logically about this, you know? And so right now my uh, case is in appeal because I don't want to shift him to another program just to do the exact same thing and have new staff. So I'm fighting for that, but I have no idea, you know, what the end result will be. It would really just be very heartbreaking for him to have to separate from a team that he's so used to, to go to a team that he's freshly new with and start fresh. Does um, self-determination play in for you at all? Like, can that help or does that stop at a certain age? So I requested that. And so I'm in limbo right now because my regional center worker, the coordinator, she quit. Um, (laughs) So I've been um, trying to follow up for the last three, four months and the supervisor hasn't responded. I, I applied for it. I'm just waiting So I'm supposedly starting self-determination next month. Oh, wow. I've been in the process for a long time. Oh my goodness. Not that long, but you know, there's a lot of checkpoints that you have Mm -hmm. to hit. And the whole idea is to try and give a program that's fits for your child rather than, you know, having to follow these rules that don't make sense you know, because we're all sitting there saying with the regional center saying this doesn't make sense. It's not for the best interest or it's a waste of money. Exactly. Why don't we do this? And it's like, we can't because of whatever rule. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's ridiculous. Like right. nobody wants that. Like, so I wonder if self-determination could be a solution for. I'm for hoping. Helping. I think that's the only other option I have at this time. I mean, I don't mind, of course, paying for whatever programs. Like I've tried to sign him up for Special Olympics, just anything. He has a YMCA pass now where he can go and play basketball indoors and things like that. But there's really not many programs. Like when the the children were out in summer, you go onto the summer listings for, you know, the city of Pasadena, for example, and there's nothing that says anything adaptive or, you know, like, oh, this course any person can take it's just targeted at a certain age so for all the parents coming up in the you know 20 hitting 20 it's time to start looking because it there's going to be a lot of services that will not be very reachable during that time it's unbelievable with the number of babies being born with the one in 60 are on the spectrum. It's like, how in the world are we going to afford? I know. You know what I mean? If there's already enough programs, I mean, we need them popping up everywhere. What I say, I'm like, why are there not? And then a couple of moms that I speak to who have disabled children also in the same age group, we were like, well, let's open up our own group. And, you know, 
we all have full-time jobs. So we're like, well, how are we going to manage to get this together? But, and then also finding, you know, staff that we trust and that are not going to try and, you know, take advantage of the whole system or whatnot. It's hard. It's a tough situation, but it's also like, we need some structure for our children as well. So we're like kind of in limbo. The programs definitely, I hope they sprout up more because they're needed for every age group, really, to be honest. I mean, for every age group, but it's very, very, very rare that you'll find something that's encompassing for older adult children with autism or any disability. Well, just on a side note, um, if you ever have any kind of questions about self-determination, feel free to, you know, hit me up on the, on the side and I'm happy to share any resources or people that I use to help me get over a few of the different hurdles. Okay. Definitely. Thank you so much for that. So use me as a resource. So what about you? Where do you fit in, in this picture? Do you take care of yourself or I mean, do you have a a self-care regimen? So my self-care regimen is to sleep. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's I'm catching up on sleep from the time my child was born. So in my downtime, I'll take a nap, you know, clean up the house, play with the dogs, relax, shop a little. I have a 17 year old now who's taking a lot of my time because he's in a senior year. He wants to drive every moment and second he can get. So yeah, between the two boys, napping is my favorite, you know, care thing. (laughs) That's super important. The whole not sleeping thing, I mean, can tear your hair out. I mean, it really like can't function. It's really very much. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. (laughs) And I've gone to doctors and I'm like, please, I'm I'm not like my son has not been on medication. Please prescribe him something that can help him sleep. And they were like, just give him Benadryl. And so I call him Hercules. He's such a big kid that, you know, he's just like, whatever. You just gave me some gummy bears that didn't work for me. So, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we do Benadryl. Yeah, I worked for him when he was younger. It's part of, I mean, it's part of our program. So what are you excited about as for his future? Well, I was in the process of fundraising to get a service dog for him. Um, And so that kind of went left field. So I just got a Husky for him. And so I'm looking forward to getting him trained so that he can be his service dog. Did I see the Husky kind of float across? That's my dog. That's the little Pomeranian. But the Husky's down down here asleep. He's a puppy. He's like three months old. So Uh he's full of energy. Jacob is actually afraid of him right now. And he's afraid of Jacob. But they'll eventually mesh. (laughs) And hopefully it all works out. Yeah. That's great. That's cool. That'll be exciting. And then how about for you? What's next for you? So I have so many dreams and aspirations. (laughs) Um, One of them? One thing that everyone that has heard my journey has told me is to write a book. And so somewhere in between work and kids and husband and dogs and, you know, self-care, I'm supposed (laughs) to be writing a book. And so every time I start it, it ends up with one paragraph and then I can't find it for a couple of more years. So hopefully... That's in my future. And hopefully I can finally accomplish that goal because that's like one of my major goals. That's a great one. I imagine that you'd be so proud. 
and you'll create something amazing, I'm sure. I guess I'm back to the aha moment question mm. again. You know, just how's the emotional and mental sort of well-being part of your journey been for you? There was and there still are a lot of emotional ups and downs. Some of them have to do with events that, you know, occurred. I was in an abusive relationship, so I suffered from PTSD with that. You know, things in my past that have come up during COVID was another time where I was like ready to put him in another home, which is maybe like the second or third time I've thought of this throughout the journey. And so I really beat myself up about it. I'm always like, I have this weird thing with him where it's like a love hate relationship now. Since I raised him all by myself, you know, he had no one else but me, you know, to love on and all that good stuff. But now he has my husband. And so he totally doesn't pay me any mind. When he comes home, he's like, hi, Reggie. Reggie has a conversation with him. How was your day? He responds. It was good. What did you do? Blah, blah, blah. They have a full on conversation. If I ask him, he's like, mm. and I'm like, and so daily I'm hurt because I'm like, hold on, kid. Like you're mine. I raised you all this time. And I find myself battling that. And, you know, my son thinks it's a joke. My other son, my husband thinks it's a joke. And they know that it bothers me. But like, it's been like that throughout the journey because, you know, you're hit with certain things. You're hit with, you know, oh, let's get your son a test to make sure he's not deaf. And you're like, oh, no, what if he's, you know. So there's been a lot of emotional ups and downs. I feel like I was developing as a human being myself. And so I was like, what in the world was I thinking? I beat myself up for not just going straight to college. You know, there's a lot of things that have occurred and I'm like, why did this happen to me? Things like that. I want to say things now, those questions are very, they're minimal now. Throughout my journey, they were up there. Like, why me? Why this? Why, you know? And I, like I said, I would beat myself up. I, I found myself depressed. You know, I would see other people who would have babies and they've smoked weed while they're pregnant and their kid is normal. And I'd be like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But I think that I've come to the understanding that God appoints special people for special children. And he only entrusts those people with his special children. So I've, I'm honored. That's sweet. That's sweet. Well, I have to say that I admire you for making it so far on your journey. You know, sometimes on my down moments, I'm like, I don't even, I mean, I can't even imagine getting my kids to 22. So I really admire you for getting to the stage that you're at and you're still smiling and you're on the show sharing, you know, to help somebody else. So thank, thank you, you for, for, you know, inspiring me. Thank you. Is there any kind of thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to share with the other parents out there that are listening? All I can say is hang on, hang tight. You know, with the bad days comes good days. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there for support. I didn't have any support. I didn't have, you know, this is an amazing platform. This is amazing that, you know, the podcast exists and that you even thought of having a podcast like this. Like, oh my gosh, it's just like amazing to have this. And mm -hmm. for any parent who needs help, there's a lot of resources. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. Don't ever be afraid to ask the regional center coordinator for something. I mean, 
There's no such thing as a dumb question. Of course, we've been told this our whole lives, but literally ask, ask, ask. Turn to whomever you need help from. I mean, I work on the other side of the fence as well as being a social worker. So there's definitely days when you you can come home and say, man, this is just not the day, you know, just ask for help or Google autism support groups, Google the podcast. Like there are people here to help. I'm always willing. If you ever need, you know, my email or whatnot, I'm always here to help. It's just a lot of, I'm very thankful. There's a lot of resources now. I'm very thankful. Together, hope we can get through this. And Definitely. you know what? I, I mean, just the feeling that I've got just from talking with you, you seem like a, a you know, very kind and loving and caring person and your son acts like whatever, but <laughs> deep down, I know he loves the heck out of you. I, I know he does too. Thank you. That makes me feel so good. To have you. He's lucky to have somebody who cares as much as you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for taking the time to be on the show. And I'd love to stay in touch, uh, you know, journeys continue and stay in touch. And thank you. That's what I have to say. Thank you so much for having this podcast and allowing us parents and parents of children with disabilities to have a platform where they can go to and, and find a safe haven. This is definitely a safe haven. And you have truly blessed all of us with your presence in this podcast. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you have a wonderful evening and wonderful rest of your life until next time. Thank you so much. Same to you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics. And the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. <laughs>